Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with the Love in Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you're having a good Sunday, a good weekend, and I hope you're ready to dive back into the Word of God. I know I am. Today we're going to continue a series we started last week on the Great Commission. We're looking at the commands in the Great Commission. Last week, we talked about the importance of the Great Commission, and we talk about the Great Commission a lot here on Sunday morning with Love and Action because it's so important, and there's just so much to to dig into God's Word and bring out of and to teach us how to live like He wants us to live. So today, we're going to continue that. But before we do, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father God, we want to give you all praise, all honor, and all glory, and thank you for loving us like you do, loving us like no other can. God, there truly is no love like your love, and I thank you and praise you for your awesome love. Father, you are God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You created us in your own image, and Father, we give you praise. We thank you for loving us so much that you sent your one and only Son, to die on the cross, to pay our price so we could have forgiveness of sin, sin that separated us from you. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, for you raised Jesus back to life on the third day, we can have eternal life with you. Jesus, you paid the price for us. You bridged that gap between us and God so we can have fellowship. We can live with God forever. And your word tells us that if we believe upon you, Jesus, we shall not perish but have eternal life. If we confess that, Jesus, you are our Lord, and that we believe that you rose from the grave on the third day, we shall be saved. You tell us all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I praise you, Jesus, for your salvation, for eternal life, and for life here on earth. And I pray for those this morning who have not made that decision I pray today is their day that they ask you, Jesus, to forgive them, repent of their sins, and trust in you, and believe that you are the Messiah, the one and only Son of God, the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. And Father, we just want to give you praise and ask you that as we open your word this morning, Holy Spirit, please teach us. Please lead God and direct us into all truths. May we be doers of your word and not hearers only. Thank you for your word, Father. Thank you for this time. And it's in your holy name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Last week, we talked about the importance of the Great Commission. We understand that it's a command from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the sad fact is many believers know nothing or very little about the Great Commission. In fact, as we discussed last week, more than 50% of Christians do not understand what the Great Commission is. And over 60% may have heard of it at one time in their lives, but they don't really recall what it is. And we talked about why do we need to live out the Great Commission and make it our lifestyles. Again, it's not an event. It's not a church event or an outreach with love and action. It is a lifestyle. And it's important because, first of all, Jesus commands us. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He commands us. We need to be obedient to him. Secondly, We need to live out the Great Commission because over 41% of the world's population are unreached with the gospel. And as I talked about last week, according to the Joshua Project, again, you can go online at joshuaproject.org and check out unreached people groups and where they're at all over the world. But according to them, 3.3 billion people in the world are unreached with the gospel. 
That means there are 3.23 billion people who have never heard the gospel. And we have to understand that if a person leaves this world without believing in and trusting in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to hell because Jesus is the only way to eternal life. Just like he tells us in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's that urgency of needing to share the gospel. There are approximately 17,446 unique people groups in the world, all over the world. So that's 7,400 plus are considered unreached. That's the 41% of the world's population. And 85% of these unreached people groups, as we talked about last week, exist in the 1040 window and has less than 10% of missionary work being done there. So 85% of where these unreached people groups are at. A window, It's a if you look at the map, it's a rectangular area of North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees north latitude. 85% are unreached with the gospel, and only 10% of missionary work is done among these people groups. A lot of work needs to be done. And as we talked about, there's people right here, right here in our hometown, in your hometown, who know little about Jesus. Good chance they've heard of them being here in Alabama, or you may be in the panhandle of Florida or in southwest Georgia. People may have heard of Jesus, but they know very little about him. So we have work to do here at home and around the world, and that's why Jesus tells us to go and make disciples of all nations, which means all people groups. Let's read the Great Commission once again. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Now, we also know the Great Commission is recorded in Mark, and we're going to get to that next week. But this week, we're still focusing on Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, in his great commission, we talked about it last week, there is one command in that great commission in Matthew 28. Do you remember what it is? To make disciples. In the Greek in which it was written, make disciples is the imperative of the scripture, which means it's the direct command that Jesus gives us to make disciples. And he tells us to go and to baptize and to teach. And those are actual, actually participles in the Greek. But the command is to make disciples. Last week, we got into a whole sentence structure. It was like being back in English class. <laughs> We're not going to get into all that this week because we did last week. But I just wanted to catch you up. And in case you missed last week, you're now caught up on where we're at in this teaching. In verse 16, I find this intriguing. It says that they met with Jesus on a mountain in Galilee. Jesus had directed them to go to this mountain. So they were obedient and they went to this mountain in Galilee. We're not sure which mountain it was. People have their guesses, but we just know they were in Galilee, right? That's what matters. And I find it intriguing that the disciples began their mission where Jesus began his in Galilee. If you go back to Matthew chapter 4, you see where Jesus started his ministry in Galilee, and now he's given the apostles the Great Commission. But it's not just to them, it's to us as well. 
But they were right there in Galilee. Their ministry was about to start. I just think that's neat that it started right where Jesus' ministry started. And in verse 18, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, we already know and we can see as we read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that Jesus had authority, all authority on the earth through the way he performed miracles, healing people, casting out demons, even raising people back from the dead. We saw when he was out on the the sea with the disciples and the storm came up and he had power over nature even and calmed the storm. And he was able to meet needs, physical needs of people, like multiplying the bread and the fishes to feed 5,000 plus people. So Jesus showed, and we already knew he had all authority on earth. But this is the new part where he says, in heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth. And in heaven because Jesus had died and he rose again, back to new life through the resurrection. Now he has been given And obviously, God the Father has given the Son all authority in heaven. And it's with that full authority Jesus has commissioned all of us. There is no greater authority, no higher authority than that. Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And it's with that authority he commissions all believers, all followers of his, to make disciples. What we usually notice first is that word go. He says, go and make disciples. And we realize that the word go means we're not sitting still, right? (laughs) Jesus isn't saying sit still, warm up a, a pew or a bench or a chair. No, he says go. So we actually have to do something. To go means we move. And to further emphasize this, I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance. And by the way, if you don't have a concordance, you need to use one. I know it's kind of old school, I guess, but the concordance is just a wonderful, wonderful tool to use in studying the Bible. And so the word go in this scripture, according to the Strong's Concordance, it states that the word means to traverse or to travel, take a journey or walk. So we can agree the word go here is active. We can't just warm a pew. We need to be active. And again, the word go was not the imperative in this sentence, as most English translations render it. We would think that would be the case, but when you look at the actual Greek, we see that go in this scripture is a participle in the Greek text. The most literal translation of this would be, when you go, make disciples. You see the difference? Instead of go and make disciples, it's truly translated as when you go make disciples of all nations. And again, all nations means all people groups. Now, the process of making disciples that Jesus modeled for three years is to be replicated with others from all nations. And that's Jesus's point here is he had three years of ministry and he shows us how to go about sharing the gospel and making disciples. And now he expects his disciples, his apostles and those following after them, that means us, to do the same thing. So the imperative of the scripture, the direct command from Jesus is make disciples. So we understand we must go and make disciples, make disciples as we go. We can't sit. We can't hope that people come to us. We can't just open up the church doors and say, all right, church is open. 
where's the people? No, that's not even biblical. (laughs) There are two specific tasks that we must do that's involved in obeying our Lord's command to make disciples. The first task is baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now notice that Jesus said, baptize in the name. He didn't say in the names, plural. He said in the name, singular, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he is clearly referencing the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now that teaching hadn't really come about at that point, but Jesus is laying it out for us right there. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, our God three in one, the triune God. And I also want you to understand that if you're a believer, this command of Jesus to baptize is something that each believer can do. Jesus doesn't say here, Only pastors, only evangelists, or leaders of the church should baptize. Nowhere does it say who baptizes people. We see that new believers need to be baptized, so we know who needs to be baptized. And this great commission where he tells his disciples to go and make disciples, and how do we do that? Well, the first thing we do is we baptize. It's something that is very important to understand that If you lead somebody to Jesus, you can baptize them. It's not taught a lot, but that's the truth. And I always encourage people, go and study it for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Go and study it for yourself. I love to baptize believers. I've baptized many and been blessed to baptize many people in different parts of the world even. And it's just just awesome. And I thank God for that. That's, That's all him. But what I also love to do is encouraging people to baptize those that they lead to Jesus because it is awesome to see somebody performing their first baptism. And that's all part of making disciples. Jesus tells us to make disciples and teaching people how to be obedient to God's word and how to do certain things is all part of making disciples. And that love and action, I just love it when somebody on our staff or a volunteer leads somebody to Jesus, and then I tell them, I would like for you to baptize them. Often it's that person's first time baptizing somebody, and they are so excited to do that. And they are carrying out our Lord's great commission as they do. So if you are a born-again believer, then you are allowed, it's okay, to baptize somebody. But you do need to be born again. That is the one stipulation. You need to be a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. And if disciples are to baptize others, I believe we should teach disciples how to perform baptisms and encourage them to do so. It's just so important. It's part of being obedient to Jesus. And the second task of making disciples of all nations, all people groups, is to teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. So as a believer and follower of Jesus, I need to know what his commands are. And truthfully, I never had anyone teach me that until my good friend and brother and mentor, Jim Landley, taught me, him and his wife taught Martha and me the 50 commands of Christ. Now, in our walk with Christ up to that point, yes, we've read the Gospels and we see how Jesus tells us to live in the Gospel But to actually study precisely what those commands are and have a concentrated study on that is just really amazing. And it's just so 
eye-opening. It's so fulfilling. And spiritually, just you just grow tremendously in learning precisely the commands of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's important to do that. And then it's important to teach others his commands as well, because that's what he commands us to do. So if we are to teach others, then first of all, we need to know them ourselves. So we teach others the Word of God, and specifically the commands of Christ. And we learn, we teach, and we teach them how to teach others. We have to make disciples who can make disciples. Because if somebody teaches me, but I don't teach anybody else, that stops with me, right? But if somebody teaches me how to teach somebody else, then I can go out and do it. So it really comes down to being obedient to Jesus. And Jesus gives us the model of discipleship. Just read the four Gospels and see the model of discipleship that Jesus gives us. So we don't have to come up with a new plan. We, we've got the best. I mean, who could come up with something better than Jesus? Nobody can. So we just copy what Jesus has showed us. And that's following Jesus. He taught his disciples through intentional times of teaching his gospel. Jesus also took his disciples out and taught them how to preach, teach, and serve others. He then expected his disciples to do the same thing and to teach the next generation of disciples. And then for those disciples to teach the next generation and so on and so on. And that's why we have the gospel today. It comes down to the simple fact of being obedient to Jesus and being obedient to his great commission. I think a big reason why so many have fallen away from churches today is because the Great Commission has just basically been forgotten. That's just my humble opinion, and it hasn't been taught. I was thinking as I was preparing for this message throughout my life, where have I learned discipleship? I went through most of my life, or a lot, I'll say a lot of my life, without knowing what true discipleship was. And now I do know what it is, and for the past couple of decades, I've been stressing the importance of living the Great Commission, making disciples, and making disciples who can make disciples, and it's become really my my lifestyle, and I just praise Jesus for that. But the sad fact is there's still so many people today who are clueless about the Great Commission because it's not taught in church. Now, there are some churches out there that do. There are some really good churches right here in our community, but there's good churches all over the place, but many of them just don't, I was going to say stressed, the Great Commission, but they don't even mention it. Discipleship is not done. It's basically come, sit in a pew, listen to a Sunday sermon, maybe come on Wednesday, and the only form of evangelism is inviting people to church. That's not evangelism at all. It's important to invite people to church, and I encourage everyone to invite people to their house of worship, but that's not true evangelism. If all we talk about is church, we're not talk, and we're not talking about Jesus, then the person we're talking to is, is going to be as empty as they were when we first started having the discussion with them. But for decades, that's all people have been taught to do is invite people to a house of worship and let the pastor and staff do everything. Well, that's not scriptural either. And that's, quite frankly, a recipe for failure. And we see the evidence of that today as so many people have walked away from the church and if we, and I'm talking about the body of Christ, would get back to the Great Commission, we would see the church thrive once again. I fully believe that. If we would make 
disciples who can make disciples and empower them to do so, we would see a change. Not just teach or preach a sermon and let people listen, but don't give them opportunities to do anything. That's not good. I mean, it is good to preach. It is good to teach, but we need to give people opportunities. We need to empower them because after all, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 11, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry and the building up of the body of Christ. So pastors, teachers, we are to equip the saints. So we need to make disciples who can make disciples, give them the tools that they need, and then empower them to do so. Because what if Jesus would have just taught his disciples, but then didn't give them an opportunity to go out and do anything? What if he just said, guys, y'all just kind of sit back and watch me do what I do? That would have ended the gospel after Jesus ascended back to heaven, because the disciples would have been, okay, we've watched them and he didn't tell us to do anything, so I guess we don't have to. But no, he commands us to do things, <laughs> and we need to be obedient to him, and we need to equip believers to do the same. We need to make disciples who can make disciples. How much more would people enjoy church if they knew how to lead people to Jesus? Surprisingly to some, maybe not so much to others, that's not really taught in a lot of churches. Now, again, there's a number of good churches out there that do, but There's a lot that haven't even taught people how to lead people to Jesus, not just invite them to church, but to lead them to Jesus. And don't you think people would enjoy church more if they were allowed to baptize people they led to Jesus? That would be empowering them to do what Jesus has told them to do, teach them how to lead people to Jesus, and then encourage them to baptize those that they led to Jesus. What if the church took time to teach the commands of Jesus to believers and empower them to teach others, especially those they have led to Jesus. So they could baptize those they led to Jesus and they can disciple those that they led to Jesus. I believe we would see church attendance increase and we would have a stronger church because we would have more true disciples and people would be excited that they are living like Jesus wants them to live being obedient to our Lord and Savior, and going out and making disciples who can make disciples. And I like what the book Matthew, a commentary for Bible students, says about discipleship. The writer is Roger Hahn, and he writes, In Matthew's gospel, the life of discipleship is always the journey of following Jesus. Even the final words of the gospel, the Great Commission, are framed in terms of discipleship as the Christ-formed life. We do not need new techniques or marketing skills to be the followers Christ envisioned. If we will allow ourselves to be formed, informed, and transformed by Matthew's gospel, we will discover ourselves on a journey with Jesus into the heart of obedience to God the Father. God requires nothing more or less of us. I say amen to that. It's about being obedient to Jesus. And I like how the Baker Illustrated Handbook defines discipleship. They define it as discipleship is education that results in life-changing obedience. If we are true disciples of Jesus Christ, then our lives will 
be transformed and continually to be transformed. And our transformation will be because we're being obedient to Jesus Christ. So being a disciple of Jesus is learning about him, being a student, being a pupil, and then teaching others to be a disciple. There's some habits that we need to get ourselves into to be a highly effective disciple maker. One is to prioritize Jesus over everything. Jesus comes first. He is number one in our lives. Two, use Jesus' strategy of disciple making. If we're going to be an effective disciple maker, we understand his strategies, and therefore we know where to start. And we've been talking about his strategies today. And using the Great Commission, that is the strategy. That is the plan. Thirdly, we need to disciple in culturally relevant ways. We need to understand to contextualize the gospel and disciple making. It's like if I'm making a a disciple here in Dothan, Alabama, and then if I'm making one in India, then cultures are different, right? The word's the same, but the way we make disciples will be a little different because of the culture, but the word doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Jesus, he is relevant everywhere we go. We need to make disciple-making a lifestyle, and I've mentioned that time and time again. Disciple-making is a lifestyle. The Great Commission is a lifestyle, and we need to let that become our lifestyle. Let our lives be transformed so our lifestyles change into being a disciple-maker. That means we're going to change our habits. We're going to change the way we do things. We're going to stop doing some things and focus on making disciples. And you may think, well, that's kind of extreme. Well, okay, it is, but it's definitely worth it. And it's so much more fulfilling making disciples than watching TV (laughs) or something like that. So we need to make it a lifestyle and use simple patterns and practices to be a disciple maker. It doesn't have to be complex. Sometimes we make things harder than it actually is or, or should be. But we can keep it simple. We can, it doesn't have to be complex. Again, take the Great Commission. Live by it. We need to practice the art of hospitality. Well, what does that have to do with making disciples? Well, when we make disciples, we may have folks at our house. Or we may meet them at a coffee house. Let's buy them a cup of coffee. Let's be hospitable to those we are discipling. And we need to rely on the Holy Spirit because... He's the one who empowers us. We are all called, if you're a believer, we are all called to go out and reach people with the gospel. We are all called to make disciples. There's not a certain special group of people or a special church that's called to do this. Every believer has been empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you have given your life to Jesus, he lives in you through the Holy Spirit And the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 tells us, empowers us to be his witnesses. So you have the ability to do it. He's already given you the power. You just have to use it. You just have to take that power, trust in Jesus that he is with you like he says he is. Trust the Holy Spirit that he is in you and he is empowering you to be a witness and to make disciples. And guess what? you'll be able to do it. You can do it. Again, there's not a special group of people 
who's being called to do this. All believers are being called to make disciples. If you want to make it even simpler, as far as looking at it, disciple-making process, the overall process, you start out with evangelism. You're going, you're sharing Christ to conversion when somebody gives their lives to the Lord. And then after that, it's growth. You're teaching that person, that new disciple, how to live for Jesus and how to make other disciples. We're going to end right there. Next week, we will continue. We're going to look at Mark chapter 16 next week and how Mark describes the Great Commission. But let me end with this. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I encourage you today to just pray a simple prayer. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I confess, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I believe with all my heart you died on that cross. And on the third day, God, you raised Jesus back to life. I repent of my sins. I give my life to you. Save me, Lord, and be my Savior and Lord. I love you, Jesus. Fill me fresh with your power and help me to live for you day by day. Just pray something simple like that. And if you did, I encourage you to please contact me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. Or you can call our office at 334-494-4995. 334-494-4995. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to give you some next steps and send you some material. Well, thank you all again for joining me this morning. Remember, Jesus loves you, and I pray you have a great rest of the week. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.